Breakups happen for many reasons. A lack of communication, thinking there's something or someone better out there, or a lack of trust. Maybe a little bit of all the above. Now throw in millions of dollars, overblown egos, the power of social media and opinion TV, along with rumors from everybody except the people involved, and you've got the perfect storm for NBA drama. What's going on with the Warriors has all the signs of the beginning of the end. Unless cooler heads prevail, and I'm not placing blame on any one person, but I do think Golden State has to get their act together. They've got to get the core five thinking the same way about the mission. They've got to get Steph, KD, Draymond, Clay, Iguodala. They all have to be locked in and focus on the mission of three-peating. And whatever happens in the offseason happens. That said, Durant and Green can't just say they're good. They have to really be good or this is over. And I know most, most NBA fans are going to doubt the sincerity of them when they both say it's over. There's nothing to discuss. The incident was a one-off. I don't believe that. I do think that there are some lingering feelings there. And maybe there were feelings there all along. Durant was gone before the season began. That's what most people keep saying. I disagree with that. Durant saying he'd keep his options open. That doesn't mean anything other than he'll listen to what other teams have to say or what their pitch might be. But I say if the Warriors three-peat, Durant will be back. I think winning three titles in a row, he's not going to walk away from that. Winning titles is hard. So he's going to max out this run. If the Warriors three-peat, I think Kevin Durant will return. Now, does that mean the drama's over? No one could know for sure. Durant could turn around and try to force an ultimatum. Either remove Draymond or I'm out. No question Draymond has been the Warriors' emotional leader. He's a great defender. He's their best playmaker in transition. But if moving him lets you keep KD, then it's goodbye Draymond. But even if Durant bounces, what if he leaves? What if Durant bounces? I don't see Bob Myers offering Draymond the max. And if Draymond wins defensive player of the year or even makes an all NBA team, he qualifies for the five year, 226 million super max. If Bob Myers finds a way to keep this core together beyond this season, he deserves a super max. He's a wizard if he can keep this core together after all this drama. But remember that saying when people constantly tell you, Winning solves all problems. I don't know if it solves all problems, but I will say this again. If they're able to regroup, lock in, and three-peat, then the Golden State Warriors will return with Kevin Durant on their roster next season. So switching from a team that seems to have all the drama to another team that on the surface appears to have no drama, but you look at their record and there's not a team in the NBA more disappointing than the Boston Celtics at 10 and 10. 
What's the problem with the Celtics? On paper, they're the deepest team in the NBA. They added two all-star caliber players back to a roster that went to game seven of the conference finals. So what's the struggle? What's the problem? I said before, I thought it was chemistry issues. And I still think chemistry plays a role in this. I also think fit plays a role. Let's not forget bringing back Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and integrating them into that roster. You knew immediately you were putting two guys into the roster to take around 17, 18 shots a game. That was going to impact Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, and most important, Jason Tatum. But there's a bigger issue with the Celtics of a whole. Offensively, they're terrible. The Celtics are 27th in the league in efficiency. They don't get to the foul line. Nothing comes easy for them offensively. What they basically have become is one-dimensional. The Celtics are a three-point shooting team. They take 35 attempts per game. That's third in the entire NBA. The problem is... It doesn't, it's not justified. There's their three point attempts because they only make 34% of those attempts. That's 19th in the league. So what that means is when you play Boston, there are a lot of long rebounds, which leads to breakout and transition opportunities for the opponents. I don't know what the solution is. There's no question. Brad Stevens is a very good coach, not just as a young coach, but just a coach. He is that good of a coach. But right now, he hasn't been able to juggle or find the right fit in terms of putting in groups of players together who work best as a team. The Celtics are struggling across the board, not just as a team, but individually. Jalen Brown is still shooting under 40%. Gordon Hayward is at 40%. Al Horford is struggling. He's shooting 46% from the field, which isn't bad, but he's, his three-point percentage is down to 32%. Jalen Brown is shooting 25% from three. Hayward, 28% from three. Smart's at 30%. Rozier, 35. The only guy that's shooting a decent percentage, the only two in terms of guys who take multiple shots, Kyrie's at 37% and Jason Jason Tatum is at 40%. Therein lies their struggles. This Boston team, at least the system in which in which the offense is ran the way Brad Stevens wants. He wants a half court executing team. And I think that worked well for the team that went to the conference finals. But you brought in two guys that are individual talents who at their best have the ability to break people down off the dribble. Now, Hayward right now looks like a shell of himself. And really, I'm not sure why he's getting the minutes that he's getting, because more times than not, when he's in the game, he's hurting his team. But Kyrie is starting to look more and more like Kyrie, 47% from the field. And again, I told you, 37 from three. Ultimately, though, when you look at this team, Kyrie's an all-star, maybe even a borderline superstar. Hayward's been an all-star a couple of times. But everybody else on this roster, they're very good players, including Al Al Horford. He's a very good player. But none of them are transcendent players. None of them are special players. And I think with Danny Ainge, and and his management team have to really think about, and I've said this before, they really have to think about, do you want to keep these good players 
or maybe move two or three of them to go out and get a great player. Because right now, everybody's talking about how in the end, the Celtics will be fine and they'll make the playoffs. I actually agree with that. The problem is if they just make the playoffs and they continue to struggle, this is going to be a disappointment. This will be a wasted season. And I don't think Danny Ainge wants to waste anything. I've always said he's a forward thinking GM. I think he's going to give this a little bit more time to play out. But at some point, I do think Danny Ainge will pull the trigger on a blockbuster deal. Let's get into Facebook question, answers, and responses. This is from Liz, my girl Liz out in Wisconsin. Good looking out, Liz. Liz says, KD needs help. He's a mental midget, and they should move him as soon as possible. I'll say this, Liz. I agree that KD is extra sensitive, and he gets gets in his feelings with ease. No question. We all know he has rabbit ears, but he's still one of the three best players in basketball. And he alone is not the reason that the Warriors have been struggling. Yes, they seem to be broken in the locker room, and that's a problem. Not to mention Steph has been out, and now Draymond is out. So now you've got basically KD, Clay, and a bunch of role players, and some of those guys are unproven. So no, I don't agree they should move him, but I would say he does need to grow up. Doc says, Warriors have had all the drama, but look at how bad the Celtics are struggling. That's a great point. Everybody's looking at the Warriors, and I get it. They're on TV all the time. Maybe Draymond is so super outspoken that you can't help but not notice them, and they are the defending champions. And you're talking about three of the high-profilest players in the entire NBA with Durant, with Steph, along with Clay and Draymond. So I understand why everybody's paying attention to the drama that's going on with Golden State, But then remember, look at the Celtics. We're just talking about this. This team was projected to win 60 games. Everybody was talking, including myself, that they were built. They They had the depth, the talent, and their style of play. They're built to beat the Warriors, and they're 10 and 10. And they're one of the worst offensive teams in the entire NBA. And this isn't just about talent. It's about style of play. It's about chemistry. And it's about fit. And my gut feeling is Kyrie Irving doesn't fit. And I'm not saying he's not a great player because he is a great player, but I don't think he's a perfect fit for this current Celtics roster. Top says Bob Myers to trade KD for picks. I'm going to say no, but I think that you're not the only one that's of that opinion, Top. I'll say this. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to what I've always believed. If KD helps the Warriors win another title, I believe he's going to resign. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to resign for a three or four year deal, or maybe he'll do another one and one. But I think if they three peat, KD's going to return. Green says, Melo looks better than Gordon Haywood. Yeah, you could say that, but. I'm not sure what that means because Gordon Haywood's not 100% healthy. He has struggled. That's true. But Melo, to my knowledge, has no injuries, and he looked like he's coming off major surgery. 
I think Melo has something left, but it's in a reduced role. And I don't know if he can handle playing a reduced role. And when I say reduced role, I'm not talking 25, 28 minutes a night. I'm talking 15 or 20 minutes a night. That's what I think he can do or how he can help a team in spot duty. Keith says, Marcus Morris has been the Celtics' most consistent player. Agree 100%. Underneath this 10-10 and 10 record and their struggles, Marcus Morris has been their most consistent player. He's shooting 50% from the floor, 48% from three. He has been their most consistent and their best player throughout this season to this point. Meek says, I think Brad Stevens should sit Haywood till he's 100% healthy. He does look like he's still struggling physically. I actually agree with that. And it seems that at times when he's on the floor, teams go at him. They're taking advantage of him. There's a sense that he's not 100%. And, and the way he plays and moves, I would agree with that. I think it, it would do Gordon Hayward and the franchise a service by sitting him and letting him get 100% healthy. E- even if it means not playing the rest of the season. You've already given him a max contract. You're committed to this guy. Why not make sure you get the best version of best version of him once he's 100% healthy? Gus says, so everybody is jumping off the Celtics bandwagon. Not me. I'm a true fan. I'm a fan of the league, Gus, and I respect your opinion, and I'm with you on that. I'm simply pointing out how they're struggling and how... They don't seem to be gaining any ground when it comes to what Milwaukee and the Raptors are doing. What I believe is this current roster, as they are currently put together, is not the team that's going to be a threat to get to the conference finals. I think Danny Ainge is going to have to make a move, and it's going to have to cost them a couple of their their younger players, their younger assets. But that's what I believe it's going to take for the Celtics to jump back into the Eastern Conference Finals talk. Cliff says the Celtics are just a they're just really good at hiding their drama. But there's something broken on that roster. They're they're the opposite of the Warriors in terms of what's seen publicly. But you can tell when you watch them on the court, they're a broken team. They struggle and it looks it when you watch them play, nothing comes easy to them. And the it's not just the numbers. They're, they're a three-point shooting team, but they're a bad three-point shooting team. And everything, everything is challenged. Nobody gets easy baskets, easy layups. And while they're still a good defensive team, their bad offense impacts their defense. Ben, what trade value does Fultz have on the open market? Not much. Especially since... All the drama that's going on in Philly with him and how it's playing out, it's public. They gave him a year off because of the shoulder and the hiccups with his shot. He worked with a shot doctor. He comes back this year. They said he's 100% healthy. He's working out. His shot is much improved. So when I did an earlier show before the season started, I had low expectations. All I wanted was I said if folks could give them 12 to 14 points a game, four rebounds, four assists. If he just, and I don't think those, those are crazy numbers, but I thought if he could do that, that would be a, fo- a, a really solid first start for him with the Sixers. 
And I think now watching him, his body language and how he looks, what's going on with him? I think there it's more of a mental struggle. I think he has some things that he's got to iron out on the inside. I, I think he's got voices in his head. And, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just simply saying when you watch him, when you look at him, this is a young, a young man that's struggling. And maybe it's a combination of how he's playing, the pressure of being the number one pick. I think there's a lot of things going on that are wearing him down. And if the Sixers ultimately plan on getting the best version of him, I think they need to take him off the court. I think they need to give him some time to heal mentally and physically. But really, as far as trade value, honestly, and I'm not and I'm tr- not trying to be disrespectful to the young man because I'm rooting for him. But what I think is if he's got any value, it's probably cap space that if the Sixers could trade him, they could alleviate themselves of his nine million dollar guarantee for next season. I hope it doesn't come to that. But to me, that's ultimately the only value he has. Rose asks, or she says, I think Kyrie is the problem. I don't think Kyrie's the problem. But I do think when you integrate as big a piece as he and Hayward are into that team, that was a completely different team that he left when he got hurt last year. They changed. Their style of play changed. And then you bring him back and it changes the style of play once again. And then you're integrating Hayward and it changes again. Those are just two really big pieces. And I'm the first to say those types of things take time. But as I watch Boston play, I'm just talking about offensively. As I watch them play offensively, this isn't about time. If this is what they're going to do, if this is the style of play they're going about offensively, then they need to make a move because they're going to continue to struggle. BG says, what are your thoughts on how well Jimmy Butler is fitting in with the Sixers so far? To be fair and to be honest, I'm impressed. I actually thought Jimmy Butler would have conflict with Ben Simmons in the sense that both of them tend to have to have the ball in their hands to be effective, especially Simmons because he's not a shooter or a scorer. And to this point, Jimmy Buckets has come through. He's played well. Simmons' numbers haven't dipped that much, and Embiid has been dominant throughout this whole process. Trust the process. Um, But it's early yet. But to this point, you know what? So far, I look wrong because I'm the one that said I didn't think it would work. But I'll remind you, I also said for this to work, for you to get the ultimate out of this, for this to work to the 10th power, they've got to get to the conference finals. Because that's the only way the Sixers can turn around and justify giving Jimmy Butler the super max. So props to the Sixers, props to Jimmy Buckets for how well he's fit into this point. But until they get to the conference finals, I'm going to keep watching. I'm going to keep analyzing because this story is still playing out. And of course, the Markel Folks story is still playing out as well. YouTube and Facebook fam, thanks for all your questions, responses, and sometimes your rants. I appreciate all the support. 
I'm changing the show in the sense that instead of doing an everyday episode, we're going to do three shows a week. That's going to be Monday, Tuesdays and Fridays. It's the cipher. I'm going to leave you with this next time.